Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Moment of Cluth podcast. This is a milestone episode. It's episode number 25 featuring San Francisco 49ers kicker Robbie Gold. Now in his 16th season in the NFL, Robbie shares with me what legacy he hopes to leave behind when he leaves the league, the mindset of the 49ers coming off a Super Bowl loss and into the season, his thoughts on the NFL's coronavirus safety protocol, and how quarantine helped him grow as a father and kicker. Hey, Robbie, thank you so much for coming on today. It's so good to see a familiar face. How are you? Everything's great. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. No problem. So I have to ask right off the bat, because you're a dad of three kids ranging in age from one to six. How the heck did you survive quarantine with training and homeschooling? You know, quarantine was awesome. This was probably the best off season I've ever had. It was the most... Uh, I would say effective I was as a father and as an athlete because I didn't get a chance to really leave my house. So um, every day I woke up, I was training with my kids and my kids got to work out with me. And then I got to spend the day with them, which was something that was unique. Uh, In the beginning of the quarantine, it was a little more difficult because you didn't have a place to kick. So I was kicking in my backyard with my kids as my uprights. (laughs) But I think the silver lining to everything, I know COVID has obviously hit a bunch of people, whether it be uh, by health reasons or whether it be by unemployment or just by business. I think um, the silver lining for me, though, has always been is that I got to spend the most quality time with my kids and family um, as I possibly could. And that was a little more difficult for me to leave for this season than I had been for previous seasons. So you played in Chicago for 11 years. It's your 16th year in the league. You've called Chicago home now for a while. What's been the toughest part about not being able to be with your family during the season? Well, I think it's unique for me because I got to play in a city for uh, 11 years. Uh, I got to start a family. We didn't have to move. I went to New York uh, after I got cut from Chicago. Uh, They didn't move with me that year. They moved with me my first year here in San Francisco. My second year, the contract was up. So I want my kids to have some normalcy and not kind of move around. I think that's huge for uh, kids of my age. Um, And then, you know, the toughest part for me is I haven't lived with my family really for four of the last five years. So, you know, trying to raise my kids via FaceTime, trying to, you know, be in two places at once and trying to balance that as an athlete um, has been difficult for sure. But again, it's a family choice and it's something that we decided to do that everything I'm going to do and make decisions on, whether it's my playing career, how long I'm going to play, where I'm going to play. Now that they're getting a little bit older, it's going to be based on how uh, or what my kids need And, and a father figure being in the house especially for six months after the Super Bowl yeah. uh, for me was, it was a lot of fun because that's the most time I've ever been at the house for that long. What is the conversation like with your kids when you talk to them about coronavirus and having to go back and play football after you've had this much time with them? Well, it's funny. My kids, uh, <laughs> they, they call the, it's called the Corona to them. <laughs> like, Why can't we be in school? Why can't we play sports? And you know, now that things are opening up a little bit in Chicago and it's different for me here in, in California because really it's a little bit more sequestered here uh, mm-hmm. than it is in Illinois. So my kids are playing t-ball. My kids are getting ready to play football. They're, we're trying to figure out what are they going to do for schooling? Are they going to e-learn? 
Um, and then really there's not a whole lot of things open here in California. So uh, it definitely is different all over the place. And um, for us, I think my kids are understanding that there is some sort of virus that is not allowing them to have their natural and normal fun. Um, and one day it'll be over. Um, with football not being in a bubble this season, it is probably smarter for your family to be in Chicago while you have to travel. Um, how are you feeling about the COVID protocols the NFL is following? It's been interesting. You know, obviously you don't really understand it until maybe you get in the bubble. So right now we're all, I would say 75% in a bubble, right? So you wake up in the morning, you come to the facility, you're doing a COVID test. Uh, you have a trackable uh, wearable to see who has been around each other for a few, uh, 15 minutes at a time. Um, and then you, you wear masks throughout the entire facility. I know I'm not wearing one right now. Uh, no one's around me. Uh, I'm sitting in a secluded place. Um, but, you know, the, the protocols that go into place to training, you know, guys are lifting in offense and defense and specialists. Everyone's meeting at different times. Um, the cafeteria is completely different. You know, there's no more grab and go. There's no buffet style meals. So um, I would say that I feel very confident in the bubble that we have here in San Francisco. I think the 49ers did an amazing job of setting up those social distancing practices and protocols. Um, I think what's going to be unique is to watch football once it opens up and plays football against other teams and other cities and how that's going to become uh, play into effect as well as if guys are starting to get COVID, you know, there's rules put in place now that, you know, you, you have to be out for a certain period of time, different counties and different States have different protocols. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys moving in and out and moving parts. I think once this happens, but um, right now it feels pretty comfortable. And, you know, I think everyone as a teammate, as a coach and, employees have to do their job and understanding that everyone's here to make a living and we all rely on one another in order for COVID not to enter the building. Seeing what's going on in the MLB with an uptick in cases, does that make you worried at all? I'm not really worried about the uptick in cases yet. I think, you know, the bubble is not meant to stop COVID. It's meant to really mitigate risk and um, eliminate the chance of those that come into the facility I mean, you take a test for COVID at, let's say, 8 in the morning, you're not getting your test until 7 a.m. the next day. So there's 24 hours that a person could be positive um, that's running around in the facility. So, you know, you're doing your own social distancing. You're doing your own kind of concepts. For me as a kicker, I'm the only kicker on the roster. So if I get sick and I'm out, I'm putting my team at risk. So I've done everything this off season, including being in the facility to make sure that, you know, I'm socially distancing, wearing a mask, uh, sanitizing my hands at all the stations and um, trying to be as proactive about staying healthy as possible. I liked what you said earlier about there being silver lining during quarantine. Obviously coronavirus is a, is not a positive thing, but there were some positive outcomes. And I, I saw that you had built a home gym and you got extra time with your kids, as you mentioned, but you also started a podcast during quarantine, like me. Um, so tell me a little bit about your podcast. I, I always love doing media. It's something that I've always enjoyed. I, I was doing my own radio show. I was doing TV shows when I played in Chicago. Uh, I had been sitting around. I've been talking to a bunch of companies about doing some content. And finally I said, you know what? I, let's make, let's do this on my own. Let's figure out what it looks like. Let's see how it's going to be. And I have a lot of fun friends that are 
uh, I was able to be like, hey, would you mind doing this with me? So I started my own Kicking It With Robbie uh, web series to start. And it was fun because I got a chance to talk about some of the most unique um, situations in sports or, you know, talking to females and broadcasting and just, you know, listen to what they've had to overcome or stories of success. And for me, it was able to allow me to grow as a person, but it also allowed me to grow uh, to what I call post football uh, mm-hmm. in the next couple of years, probably. Um, and the reality is for me, I wanted to do something that sets myself up because I had the time, I had the ability that I could set apart um, what that might look like. So uh, for me, it's been a lot of fun to have a new characteristic, I say, to add to my resume. And um, it's been fun to be able to continue to do that because I can do it from anywhere. You know, now it's kind of unique because we're we're really using this Zoom, whether it be by meetings as players or Zoom doing recordings like this to do podcasts with yourself. And, you know, it's really changed kind of the way I think content will be driven moving forward. I think so, too. It's a mobile office. It's great. For the first time in my entire career, I work from home and... I have no complaints. I love this life. Um, is that what you see yourself doing post football? Do you want to be in media? Yeah, I do. You know, I have a event management software company uh, that I started about four years ago and uh, we have all online event management software for pretty much every event that you could possibly think of. And um, so we started that. I know for sure I'll transition to that full time. And then broadcasting is something that I would love to get into Eventually, I'd love to do some golf broadcasting. I'm an avid golfer. <laughs> so whether it be like lifestyle pieces or you know, golf pieces, that, that's for me that I think getting away from football a little bit is going to be um, kind of nice to just kind of sit back and kind of reminisce on what I did during my career. Um, but I also want to challenge, right? And I know that uh, this is something that would challenge me every day and I could do it as much as I want or as, as less often as I want. I saw that uh, Spice Adams started his own podcast media company. Is that something that you could see yourself doing now with kicking it with Robbie? You know, I haven't really thought too much about it. You know, for me, it was just a matter of, hey, let's go out and tell people's stories. You know, I've been fortunate enough to go to a bunch of events where I've been able to network and sit around tables with some of the greatest athletes and business people of all time. And I was like, you know what? People deserve to like hear some of these motivational speeches or understanding that people start things uh, on a whim and you know next thing you know it's about hard work and perseverance and you know let's give people an opportunity to give them some hope and and give them something to listen to that maybe might change their life when they're going through something um, pretty difficult during the quarantine and i think overall for me i was able to grow as a father and i was able to grow as an athlete there's a lot of things that i took from some of those interviews um that you know, would I want to do my own company? I, I don't know yet. You know, I think it's one of those things that I'm just trying to grow and, and learn how to get into the broadcasting world. And um, it's been a lot of fun. I was eager to have you on this podcast because I listened to one of yours and um, the underlying theme of this one is all about authenticity. So like you, I like to dive deep when I with my guests and have hopefully something that my listeners can take away from the interview. Um, and I like to ask the question, when was there, was there ever a time in your personal or professional life where you felt like you weren't being authentic to yourself and what did you learn from it? You know, that's so hard because if anybody who knows me is, I'm, I am who I am and I don't really change a whole lot. I'm one of the most caring, giving, supportive, go out of my way type of people. 
Um, and I don't think there's ever a time where I'm, I'm not authentic. I am who I am and you either like it or you don't. And, um, I'm okay with that. Right. Because, you know, something that I grew up uh, with a brother and a sister and a family where, you know, my brother is as candid as they come. And, you know, it was, there was no sugarcoating anything. Like if you didn't do good at something, it was like, all right, Hey, let's go get better at this. So, um, you know, I always told myself that no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I'm going to stick up for people and stick up for things that are right. And, um, you know, my views on some things probably aren't obviously always right, but that's just, I believe in it. Right. So, um, I think it's also why people enjoy being around me. I think that's something that, you know, you don't get a lot of because people, you know, sugarcoat things or kind of twisted to make sure that you're happy. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just as a, as a player, as a person being in a huge business, like the national football league, um, I think authenticity is by far the biggest characteristic you're going to need as a person to be able to garner respect, but also trust from people. So, um, that's a great question. It's, it's really hard. You know, I think there's times when people just want to make sure that they do the right thing. And, you know, sometimes that doesn't happen and it's okay to say that you screwed up. It's okay that you said that you're wrong or, Hey, that view wasn't right. And I think that's how you grow as a person. After 16 years in the NFL, do you find yourself kind of coaching the young guys as they come in? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. When I got in the National Football League, I think all I cared about was making a team and getting an opportunity and playing football. And, you know, then I became a player rep and I did that for nine years and learned about the business of football, the ins and outs of it. And I think that really helped me grow as, as an athlete because I started to understand why business operates the way that it does in order for you to be a player. Right. And then as I'm getting older, I'm now 37. I'm probably the oldest guy on our team. I might be the oldest kicker in the National Football League. Um, I found myself when I had kids being like, OK, well, what do you want your legacy to be and what does that look like? And, uh, you know, everyone has the ability. They're going to spend the money the way they want. You can talk to them. You can teach them. You can go through that. You can teach them about lessons that you had. Um, going through your contract negotiations. There's lessons on the football field that you can learn from every week in, in games. And you know, I think there's some perspective that I can I can bring with playing almost 270 some games in the National Football League um, as an undrafted free agent that I've been through pretty much everything except for getting traded. Um, and, you know, I, I can help these young kids kind of navigate where they're at, um, but also kind of what it's going to take to have a long career. Uh, I've got to ask, what advice do you have for any kicker in the Bears organization? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's such a loaded question for me. Uh, <laughs> it's just hard. It's a hard place to kick. It's, it's, it's a place where you have to have a very hard-headed, who-cares mentality. Um, you know, I never let the wind, I never let the conditions of the field truly bother me. Um, sometimes I voice my opinion about the field and, and, and conditions to probably more so because it was for the running backs and slowing down the other team if they had speed for us to win. But looking back on it now, but at the end of the day, like I'd figured if I could kick in Chicago, I could kick anywhere. And, um, you know, when I got cut, I kicked 84%. Uh, one of the best years in really all of the franchise's history 
Um, and, you know, they're making some transitions. And I think uh, as a kicker, when you go there, you know, it's not going to be easy. Um, just like it's, it wasn't easy to replace a guy like Adam Vinatieri in, in New England or now Indianapolis. So um, just be you and who cares what I did when I was there and set your own path because truth be told, like, the past is in the past and, you know, you got to help your team win football games. If you don't make kicks, you're not going to be there very long. It's a tough fan base too. And it's safe to say that they miss you in Chicago. As you return to the practice field, do you notice any pent up energy and Super Bowl frustration among the 49ers? No, you know, what's interesting is I, the first time I went to the Super Bowl, I didn't watch the Super Bowl for like five years. <laughs> um, I, Got home. I took a couple weeks of just kind of getting away from football. And I've probably watched the Super Bowl six times over and over and over again. Just kind of like, hey, where do we make mistakes? What could we have done differently? Like, what does it look like? Um, and I think this team is so young that they understand, like, the hunger of getting back there. They understand that we were so close and had such a great team. Um, and, we, and we lost a great team. Um, and we lost in the last six minutes and like 30 seconds of the game. So um, I think the guys took care of themselves. I think they, they really worked hard this offseason to be ready to hit the ground running. We're really healthy, um, which is great. Guys look like they're in amazing shape. And um, the walkthroughs that we've had up to this point in the first phase have been very crisp. And I think we all understand that it's not like, hey, you're going to go back right? It just don't click your fingers and it just magically happens. I think it's just a matter of working harder and obviously COVID presents some different challenges and, you know, the, the teams that respect the rules and the teams that uh, don't have an issue with the extracurricular activities outside of the building and bringing COVID in will have the best chance to probably win the Super Bowl this year. Are the 49ers playing with the chip on their shoulder? Would you say? I think we always do. You know, I think uh, since I've been here, you know, we, I was a part of a rebuild and we didn't win a whole lot of games in the first year or two here. And, you know, I think there was always had to be that chip on your shoulder. You had to earn everything that you wanted to go out and win on Sundays. And last year, I think we had probably seven or eight games decided by the last drive or a field goal or, you know, seven points or less, let's say. And I think a lot of guys understand that it's going to have to be earned because now we're not going to sneak up on anybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think guys are okay with that. How do you think the lack of a preseason will affect teams across the league? You know, what's interesting is I think it's going to affect the players more than it's going to affect the teams. I think you can, as a, as a coach and a, as a staff, you can always have scrimmages. You can always give yourself an opportunity to see and evaluate players. Obviously, that's going to be different because now you're going to go. It's not going to be a full five weeks plus the offseason. You're talking about it's probably going to be more of a condensed two-and-a-half, three-week process. Mm -hmm. uh, so guys are going to have to play with a little bit more urgency, which I think helps us as we have a, a core group of guys who have been here from last year. Um, but I also think that the guys that are going to be hurt by that the most is a, an undrafted free agent. And I got like a soft spot in my heart for guys who are bubble guys and guys who are undrafted to get an opportunity to get filmed to show 31 other teams what they possibly can do when, you know, they can't make this team. Right. So um, that's going to be the most difficult part, I think, of all this. And I think the other part too is going to be the fact that the teams that start the fastest and, and the teams that don't make a lot of mental mistakes 
are going to have the best chance to probably win and put themselves in the best position to get to the playoffs. Um, and I think this year, more than ever, the beginning of the season is the most important. I think about that a lot to your point for the guys on the bubble um, for college people in their senior year of college or senior year of high school and what that means for their professional careers going forward and scholarships and so forth. You know, you just hope that your film that you had in college is good enough to give you an opportunity, no matter at what level, first round, seventh round, whatever. Um, you just want to get a chance to play and hopefully those kids will get that opportunity. So at the end of this podcast, I like to play two truths and a lie. You have to tell me two truths about yourself and one lie, and I have to guess which the lie is. All right. This is really hard. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Green Bay is one of my favorite places to play. As an avid golfer, I have three holes in one, and I played the drums in high school. I'm going to go with Green Bay is your favorite place to play is a lie because it's freezing cold there. I love that place. I've always played really well there. Um, I've never had a hole in one and I did play <laughs> the uh, drums in high school. Well, you are a good liar because I wouldn't have suspected that at all. Yeah, I've always played well in Green Bay for some reason. I don't know why. It's just I love the history of it. I love the single tunnel. Um, but it's yeah. So I didn't make that easy for you. I apologize. It's okay. You know what? The last time I was at Green Bay, it was negative 47 degrees. And I, my fingers froze off and I left halfway through the game because the Bears were losing by like 47 points. So <laughs> just turned around and went back to Chicago. Um, it's cold there. That's for sure. But the atmosphere is really cool. Yeah. You know, the camo, the go pack, go chant, which gets annoying probably by about the third quarter. <laughs> But I also love the rivalry. There's something to that as a Chicago Bears player, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun place to play. It's one of the top five for sure in the National Football League. Well, you know what? Hopefully you'll work on your hole-in-ones um, after this season. And I appreciate you coming on this podcast today. It was so nice to see you in a familiar face. And I hope that you stay safe during the season. Uh, same to you, and congrats on the new move to L.A. I hope Thank you enjoy you. the West Coast, and uh, if you ever need anything, stay in touch. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a Thanks. good one. Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast, now available anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Megan Cluth. If you enjoyed this episode, please download it and share with others. Subscribe to be notified when new episodes air, visit MeganCluth.com to get in touch, head over to my YouTube page to watch my latest interviews, and stay tuned for more great conversations. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.